Welcome to another edition of the Puro Pinche Primos. Hola, primo and primas. We are back. We are the Puro Pinche Primos. I'm your primo, Luis Velasquez. That is your primo, Christopher Costello. We are back. There is a bunch, a bunch of sports to talk to. We're going to talk this week. We're going to hit you with everything that we think about the NFL draft. All the stuff that we got right. On our last you got right. You we got right. All the stuff. I, I, I want to let the audience know because, I, you know, we do this together, but you are the draft guru. I have no part in that, so I'm not going to steal from your glory. And you have been... <laughs> really on point with predictions this year which i usually clown you on but you have been on it you were on it on the ncaa bracket which i can't say enough about because that's like one of the most difficult predictions that any sports fan can make uh during the the sports year but also just going into this draft the the amount of uncertainty that you brought up which we got to see in this draft and right we saw like a lot of teams make trades but also, you you had a lot of things on point, particularly when we always... I love how much you compare how many you got right to Mel Kuyper, especially because, like, Mel Kuyper is that guy... Like, I feel like Mel Kuyper is, like, the ultimate car salesman with his, like, glasses and hairstyle. <laughs> so I'm always like, yeah, this guy's selling us all these, like, fake bodega dreams, and then you come out here and have all these, like, correct predictions. So shout out to you on that. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. One thing that I have not gotten right in my predictions, and we'll talk about that later, is these NBA playoffs. These NBA playoffs are crazy. Um, I can't wait till we talk about that. Um, but let's yeah, way closer than I think we would have thought with all these different series going on. Yeah, did I didn't see Miami doing this, and they okay didn't tell. Milwaukee was my pick in the East. Oh man, and should have been. Right, it should have been, but uh, they're crazy. What? So, what's up, Primo? How was your week? All good, man. All good. I think uh, one well, one thing that we we're kind of like late on from uh, from last week that I really wanted to get into was uh, was the Ryan Garcia, Gervonta Davis, Tank Davis uh, fight that went on last weekend. I mean, I think it's. I feel like it's the most anticipated fight that we've seen in a while. Um, I remember waiting around being like, oh, I can't wait till these two guys figure it out and, and actually make this fight happen. And um, I think in a lot of ways, it's kind of what I thought it was going to be. I don't know. Who who did you have going into that fight? Who did you think was going to be the winner of that fight? Yo, that was definitely one that I got wrong. I was Ryan Garcia all the way. And maybe, you know, usually when I watch boxing, it is definitely a, a racing with me. I have always like yeah, yeah. I was you, gonna ask you, you know, that was I, that because of like a pure Latino thing. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like I'm always I'm always gonna go for the Puerto Rican fire fighter first and whatever. Like if it's Puerto Rico versus Mexico, whatever. Like I was Tito Trinidad, one of my favorite boxers of all time. But he was going up against De La Hoya. We saw that fight together uh, as a kid. Uh, yeah, no, I'm forever mad at that fight, but we'll talk about <laughs> that. That was a great I Miguel Cotto was another uh one of my favorite fighters. Um but yeah, I'm always going in. So Brian Garcia going into this battle with, with Tank Davis, uh I thought I thought he had the speed. I thought he had uh he wasn't too far off on the power from Tank. Um and and the reach that he had against Tank. I thought all that put together, um 
and his confidence, his confidence would kind of just like, there is no, like, every time I hear him talk, every time I see them do a face-to-face, like, he actually believed like he was going to win, right? And it made me believe more and more and more. But obviously it was wrong, wrong on this one. Did, did you have Tank? I did have Tank. I, I I really, for a long time, have wanted to believe in Ryan Garcia. But I think the, the thing for me with him is he just looked too, like, thin, right? Like, watching them stand next to each other at the way, and it was like, man, he's, like, towering over him. And yet, he, like, he just looked, like, not big enough, not thick enough, right? Like, and it, and I think that what played out in this fight is what I thought or what I was worried about with, like, a Ryan Garcia and his body type was that, like, a body blow like that would really, like, harm him, right? And, um, I you know, but I, I also, in looking at, like, film of both of them tank davis always just to me seemed like he just looked like he hurts you if, if he gets up on you and he also just looks like too strong like I, I can see why he he can get like the name tank but with them two you know i just for me it just seemed pretty clear that that like if, especially if they go into late rounds that that davis would would put more punishment on garcia than garcia would put on davis and um the thing that was really shocking i mean I'll say this, the thing that I I think where I built a lot of respect for Ryan Garcia was how quickly he got up from that shot in the second round. Like that punch to the face. Oh my God. I don't know how his face did not cave in from that. Cause he got him clean. Like it was, I mean, I, I would have been, I, I've died, but I would have been crying. <laughs> right. Like this was like, yo man, I, I had a lot of respect for him as a fighter when he got up from that. Cause I just, I don't know how anybody gets up from that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would say that that shot affected him a lot because now he was definitely like he he came out in the second. Like I, I I had him win in the first round. I had him winning the second round up until that shot. Like he came out aggressive in the second, and he says it himself in the post post fight interview, like he it was his inexperience because he kind of like he's usually not that aggressive that early, and he was like it was a big fight. I wanted to put on a show. And so he came, he came out super aggressive in the second round, and he was winning and landing a lot of shots, and then he just got caught. And then after he got caught, like, I could see, like, every, every other combo that he would throw, like, he would be looking for that and overly protecting from that shot, right? I was like, oh, man, he got affected right away because he felt it. He obviously felt that and was scared about it for the rest of the fight. Hell, yeah. That, I mean... He took kind of like the worst type of punch you can take early in a fight to like throw off your confidence, right? And particularly to throw off your aggression. Like I was looking at these like CompuBox numbers, right? Which I always love, like these like stats at the end of fights and like the tail of the tape before. But and they they looked at like total punches, and in the first round, Davis only threw. They only have him having thrown seven punches in the first round, and he only threw six in the second. One of those being that thing that knocked Garcia to the ground. But Garcia threw 23 punches in the first round and then 30 in the second. And then for the rest of the fight, they're pretty close or even. They're within like two or three punches of, of each other throughout the fight after that. But, I, I, you know, I think getting rocked in the face like that will start like making you a little bit more hesitant. And it probably got Davis to feel way more confident and being like, this guy is not going to press me in the same way anymore. And even if he does, 
he might walk right into something that's going to hurt him really bad. And so, I, you know, that, you're right. I, I don't know how that does not change the fight once somebody gets hit in that way. But I, what did you think about the actual, like, TKO, at the, like the, the punch that ended the fight? Like, it, it looked in, in real time, it looked almost like it could have possibly been even like a phantom punch. And then watching it in slow motion, like where he gets hit was like such a weird, like, it's such an interesting spot in the body to get to take a shot like that. Um, did you think that that was somehow like either a fix or like, like not really real? I, I don't know. I didn't know how to read it at first. I can tell you that when, when, when it first happened, my initial reaction was like, oh, this, the fix was in, right? As, as soon as you see that, and then like he he still backs up, and he doesn't really even he doesn't even really grimace, right? Like usually when you get hit like that, you're like, oh, we're doing something. He didn't even really grimace. He just kind of backed up a little bit, uh, prepared himself, and I would say like ten seconds after the shot is when he like took a knee. Um, looking back at it now, like and, and seeing a couple of replays, like it was a legit hit, right? Like he. He legitimately got hit, and sometimes it just takes a while for that uh, for that pain to shoot up to your brain. Yeah, um, being yeah. you know adrenaline or whatnot being up there. Uh, what I do think though is that I think he did quit. Like I think that you think he could have come back for more. Yeah, yeah, I think like, he could have came. I think he could have came up. Uh, at like about the count of eight, um. So, yeah, I, th- I think he quit at that point. And say, after I know we we just got a hit up right now. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles trade for DeAndre Swift from the Detroit Lions. The Philadelphia Eagles keep winning this draft weekend. We'll get into that, but news alert: DeAndre Swift. Just got traded to the Eagles. Um, I kind of knew DeAndre Swift was going to get traded at some point uh, because of uh, what Detroit did did in the first round. <laughs> but DeAndre Swift to the Eagles. <sighs> yeah, I, I mean, this is all I got to say about the fight. In the slow motion, your boy Ryan Garcia, you could see that it like hurt him. I don't know that he quit. I do recognize that, like, if you're a fighter and that thing rocks you in a certain way and you have to go to a knee and you realize, like, even if I get up from this, I'm probably going to go right back down. I can understand, like, and I don't know if that's quitting. But I think enough said we got to get into this NFL draft now that that trade just happened because that's as big as last year's A.J. Brown trade. DeAndre Swift is enormous. For anybody who doesn't know, he's going to be at the top of, like, fantasy football drafts with, with what he's able to do. And the fact that he's going to the Philadelphia uh, Eagles after they lost Miles Sanders did not draft Bijan Robinson, where it looked like that was a, a possible prediction for them and would fill the last hole for that offense. Where are you at with the NFL draft? Because I think we can start with the Eagles. Who won the NFL draft <laughs> for you so far? Yo, to me, uh, yeah, the Eagles killed it, bro. They just killed it, bro. Like, it's not even funny. Jalen Carter. It is. I was. It is kind of funny because they are the rivals of our one of our hated teams, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, and so like I, I take that with, with you know for what it is. But the, they had the number ten pick as a team that just went to the Super Bowl, right? Um, 
and uh, I, I I had mocked them to get Bijan Robinson because um, I, I I didn't see Jalen Carter falling this far, right? Like yeah, right. the, the last episode that we talked about, just like he's the number one dominant player. If you just put the film on compared to everybody else, like he's above and beyond everybody else film wise, right? What he got off the court or off the field issues, coaching issues, all this stuff. Um, take that away. And we're not one again, what we talked about last week was like, he needs to be put in a good position. He needs veterans around him. He needs a good coaching staff around him. Fletcher Cox. Yeah. Like he is not going to be messing around in, in Philly. Right. No, nah, no. Nah. I, you know what I also say about that particular pick, which I thought was good to see is the man, you know, and a lot of times these guys have tears in their eyes over, like just the fortune and like the good things that have happened and the hard work that has, I don't think that those were tears of joy. Those were tears of relief that he was going to make it through this ordeal that had just, he, you had just mentioned like the off the field stuff of him uh, being involved in like a car accident that killed two people that he had to appear in court for it. Um, and, and then obviously like you just mentioned, he dropped in the draft he fell further than what we thought, but he didn't fall like so far that it becomes something where people are like terrified. And I think the Eagles know what you just said. They've got the personnel to keep that young man in line and to teach him how to be a professional. How, how in the world is anyone going to compete with the Eagles, because I think it's also crazy too. When I when they drafted him, I was just thinking like this was the one thing that everybody talked about in their analysis after the Super Bowl was like defense didn't show up the way that we thought they would, and they they led the the league in sacks. Yeah, historical, right? historical led the league in sacks, like the most yeah. sacks any team so has now, ever had. What do you think it's gonna happen? Right, like I'm I'm honestly when they drafted him, I am now like officially terrified <laughs> of the Philadelphia. Right, I can tell you. Uh, one thing that I did like is the one of the post uh, draft conference uh, conferences. Uh, they were uh, interviewing uh, the GM and the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, and one of the reporters were like asked, um, told them that, that in the interview that he had with uh, Jalen Carter, like he didn't. That reporter didn't feel like Jalen Carter like felt remorseful or felt anything in that. And like the GM and the head coach like came to the defense of of Jalen Carter right away. Right, you can tell they had the had his back. They're like, "What are you talking about? Why would you like? This is one of his like the happiest moment of his life. He just got drafted into the NFL. Like, and, and you you hit him with this question." And, you know, if he didn't answer it right, like he just got drafted to the NFL. So they had his back. And that, that to me proved to me that, you know, they know what they have to do for this kid and they're willing to do for the kid. It reminded me a lot, Primo, of, of course, uh, when our boy uh, Jeffrey Simmons got drafted to the Titans. Uh, Jeffrey yep. Simmons, same thing. Game film, like he was at, in that draft, like he was a top five prospect. Right, but he had some off the court, off the field issues before he went to college, and then he tore his knee up uh, his senior year, and so for lucky for us, like he fell down in the draft, and now to me uh, is the second best defensive tackle in in the league, 
who just got a major payday. Um, but not only are we talking Jalen Carter, bro, but with the 30th pick, was- no- Nolan Smith falls down to the Philadelphia, like gift wrapped. I had yeah. him, I think I had him, what, top 10, top 12 uh, in, in our mock draft. Um, for him to be there just waiting, they didn't even have to really do anything for him. He's just there. Um, they also just uh, today got Keely Ringo, another Georgia like top cornerback. They just like, and then they just traded for <laughs> for DeAndre Swift. Like, oh, they yeah, are coming. The GM was getting a lot of heat over the last like two years. Pay that man. That man yeah, has shifted this team into like I think, and I don't think a lot of teams get this this type of uh, labeling, but they're a juggernaut. Like there is no weaknesses that you are going to be able to exploit on this team, and they have depth, right? So it's not just that like they've got guys that are gonna like destroy you on the field that are starters, but like. If guys got to come off the field or veterans got to come off the field, you got young guys ready to go that have been polished in quite possibly the best program of the last five years in, in the University of Georgia. So I, <laughs> we, we, I was saying this before the show is if you were a crappy team, right? Like if you were a bottom of the barrel NFL team, a, a very kind of safe strategy is to do what, the, what the Eagles have just done right now, which is just draft everybody from the same dominant school. <laughs> and what has happened is now the Eagles have done that and have just become the University of Georgia and are going to destroy so many people. Listen, listen like, two years ago when uh, Georgia won the uh, the national championship, we were talking about, like, was that the most dominant defense in the history of college football? Right, especially that front line. Yep, exactly right. Especially that front line. And then they just all have been drafted to the Philadelphia Eagles. You got Jordan Davis from last year with a behemoth of a man. Behemoth of a man. Uh, They got, uh, who else? They got, like I said, Nolan Smith. You got Jalen Carter. Uh, Kobe Dean is another one that they got. Like they got Hassan Ridgeway still there. They like. I pray for every offensive line that's gonna have to go into this game. Like these games, it's just it's nuts, bro. Nuts. Yeah. With the like, Philadelphia- it makes me think of like Daniel Jones and Dak Prescott, who just signed extensions with the Giants and the Cowboys, respectively. It, you gotta see these guys twice a year, and now. Who, who are the commanders going to get to be like, hey, come play for our crappy team <laughs> <laughs> and and be under center and play against the Eagles twice a year? Like, yeah, no way. The the other thing, I want to shift away from the Eagles. I'm already hating on them and they're scary. And they have, I agree with you, they have won the draft in a way that was so surprising, especially at the picks, like you mentioned, where they, where they got the guys where they did. The other team, though, that I thought was like really gutsy, and and I mean, like, what else are you going to do when you're at the bottom like that? The Houston Texans with the number two pick and then trading up to get the number three pick to get a, a dominant or star pick on offense and defense, right? It looks like D'Amico Ryans is already, like, being like, 
we need to at least go big and give me a shot as a head coach with it, with new talent if we're going to have any kind of chance of winning going forward, right? They got C.J. Stroud in number two, which you predicted, and what, but yet was what we hoped against so that the Titans could try to move up and get him. And then they go and get Will Anderson Jr. with the number three pick, which I remember like when I was watching the draft, I was like doing something else and looking back and forth. And I, I saw Texans like picking three. And I was like, wait, wait. And I missed the number two pick. And I was like, wait a minute. What? Like, did they draft? Did they just like trade down? And then not realizing until after they got two and three. But well, what are you thinking about the Houston Texans with these moves to go two and three? Did they give up too much? to get up to three to get Will Anderson Jr. after getting C.J. Shrub. Yeah, uh, I'm, I've been going back and forth. Like, uh, originally when it first happened, I was like, wow, that's what, that's legit. That's 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 a game changer, right? Um, shout out to uh, Daniel Jeremiah of, uh, of uh, the NFL Network. He actually, on his last mock draft, he mocked this exact thing, that the Texans would trade up to the third pick. Uh, and, and do this exact thing. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like they they gave up a lot, right? I'll say that they gave up a lot. They still do have a, a first round pick. Um, I think they they get and they give up they give up their first round pick because they they still have they had uh, Cleveland's first round pick and theirs first round pick right from the uh, the Predators uh, trade that they made. Uh, Two years ago, uh, to the Cleveland Browns, right? So um, it was. It was <laughs> I was about to be like, "What the predators?" But <laughs> the sexual, the right. sexual predator. Yeah. Um, but uh, if they would have given up Cleveland's pick, because I don't think this changed too much for them next year, right? I, th- I still think they they have a ton of holes. Uh, to me, like they're still they will they will have a top ten pick next year. Right, the Houston Texans will. So, but they gave up that pick. Um, so, and as far as as getting Will Anderson, um, it's it's gonna be a hit or miss, bro. Like it's not. Um, I'm not. I'm not as high on him as, as all the other teams were. Um, I didn't see. To me, I didn't see a lot of uh, difference between him and Nolan Smith, who went thirty. Right, there's. Um, he is a good dude. Like he's, uh, we, we talked earlier uh, off offline about Bijan and, and how he came off. Like he's that dude. He can come into the locker room. He can change that. And that came into a, a lot of uh, consideration when they when you talked about Will Anderson and, and these teams were talking about how good he's going to be in the locker room, right? Um, but would this like, be different for you if they would have drafted, let's say, Jalen Carter goes number three? Yeah, yeah, right. different. Like, if you would have gone number three to the Texans, would this be like, oh no, this is completely worse. this is completely. What what I'll say with, with Will Anderson and what I think the type of player he's going to be is, um, he'll have a year or two where you're like, wow, okay, this is the dude that's second, you know, third in, in the that got picked third, um, but he's he's not going to give you twelve to fourteen sacks, you know, like you would want. He'll give you. He'll yeah, be yeah. consistent, like eight sacks, right? Seven to eight sacks a year, and that's what I think they're getting. Is he someone that you think is going to be beneficial to them in coverage? Yeah, and and actually, you know what? Forget coverage because they're in the AFC South. Right? Is he a guy that you think 
can go in and smash a Jonathan Taylor or a Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you're biased to Derrick Henry, so we're all going to... Yeah, nobody's going to smash Derrick Henry. But is he at least someone that can go in there and do some damage and fill a hole or stop a guy or be like like the second guy right. in pursuit of someone that big? No, and, he's and not going to make that big a difference in the run game. Like, you're getting him for his potential at edge to rush the passer. That's what you're getting him for. He doesn't make a big difference uh, in the run game. Um, that's why he's going to be good. He's not going to be great. And so they gave up. They they did give up a lot. So I'm not as high as everybody else is with, with Houston. I'll say this. like um, this. If I was a Houston Texans fan, like this is the kind of general manager that I would want. Like go get it, right? Don't let it come to you. Go exactly make something right. happen. Hopefully we that's, that's what I thought. Like at this point where they're at, particularly post-Predator, is you got to make sure that you're making moves that give you at least some sort of chance, but particularly sells tickets because they're in trouble down there, right? Like they're not making, you know, I think about who's been under QB the last couple of years. And I, I mean, it doesn't give you much hope to think that your team is going to get some wins. Um, aside from that, I want to jump into this right away is where are you with the picks of your beloved, our beloved, but particularly for you, Tennessee Titans. Where are you with their, I'm going to stick to the first two rounds. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Guard and quarterback. Right. Um, I've been going back and forth and you know me pretty much. Like I just been like, Skaronsky to me was the best lineman in the draft, right? And we talked about it last last week uh, that uh, I think he's going to go inside. He can play. He played tackle his whole life, his whole uh, college short career. Arm. Yeah, but he's got short arms, bro. And it's like I don't think it's going to transfer too much uh, to the pro level. But what I think, you, so we we spent our eleventh pick on a guard. Which isn't flashy. It isn't a home run pick, right? But it's necessary. Absolutely. Exactly. Necessary. It's, I'm saying, it's not a home run pick, but it's a double, right? It's I think to me we we got Round rule double. Yeah. <laughs> we got we got a guard that we don't have to worry about for the next like maybe ten years. Right? Exactly. Especially after losing someone like Although they're not the same position, like Taylor Lewan, right? Right, like I, just in spirit, losing someone like Taylor Lewan is like really painful as a Titans fan, and <laughs> yeah. I think like you need new energy and to be excited about another guy on the line that makes you feel like, all right, we got somebody that's gonna be a Titan for a long time. Yeah, he's gonna and be a Titan, and he's gonna be a Pro Bowl. Like he's gonna be a Pro Bowl guard, right? Like he's gonna be, he's just, he's gonna like. It's it's not flashy, right? Like like I wanted us to go after receivers, which I guess we're apparently like we just allergic to drafting wide receivers. But uh, that would be the flashy pick. This dude is just steady. Like you, you're probably never gonna hurt hear his name because he's not gonna make a lot of mistakes. He's not gonna make you know he. You just know you don't have to worry about the position for the next couple of years, which is good. I think that's great for us. I I, I don't mind that pick. It's a good pick for us. Um, he will be a Pro Bowl guard in, in the league, which is which is good. Uh, but I think the the thing that everybody wants to talk about 
is what the Tennessee Titans did in the second round. They trade up to get the second pick in the second round, and they go for the uh, man, the myth, the legend, Will Levis, quarterback out of Kentucky. Tell me your initial thoughts, please. Oh, my initial thoughts was, what the fuck? <laughs> that was my initial thought. Right? It was, um, I was not high up on Will Levis. I honestly, like, I didn't think he was but the first one. Is this a high value, though, based off of where we got? That's what, like, it's not a bad pit for a second round pick, right? It's not like he's got potential, and he's not. And we talked about it like as soon as we we picked him, I spent all this morning like relooking at Will Levis' film, right? And yeah, I I just looked at like Instagram pictures of him and his significant others, but um, <laughs> I do want to say that that's another different. It, that's another scouting technique. Right? Yeah, yeah no, no, this is important. How how distracted will this man be? And I think he's going to be very distracted, but. Um, <laughs> Or at least I was. I think that one of the things about being a Titans fan is that both me and you were terrified that they were going to pick him at 11. Yeah. Like, both me and you were like, yo, they, I could see them going after another quarterback. And for context, Ryan Tannehill's in the last year uh, of his contract, which is highly overpaid for what, like, compared to the rest of the quarterbacks in the league. He also finished last season on the IR. And I think the biggest, my biggest question about this Will Levis pick is like, what does this mean or tell us about Malik Willis? Right. Because I came really close to buying a Malik Willis jersey last year. <laughs> and what does this mean? Like, what? so what are they going to do? What do you think they're going to do? I think, uh, like, I think that he's going to have to compete with Will Levis, right? I think, honestly, he was our third round pick. Malik Willis was our third round pick last year. Um, I think um, this could be a good thing for Malik Willis, depending on how he looks at it. Like, all right, now, like, I need to get in the lab. I need to figure this out. Like, maybe maybe it juices him up competitive-wise because he's going to – Malik Willis brings some other stuff to the table that Will Levis doesn't quite – Malik Willis is obviously more athletic. Uh, although Will, Will Levis is athletic, too, for, for quarterback. Um, so, I don't know. He's – he he's gonna have a hill to climb as far as Malik Willis does. When I look at the when I relooked at the Will Levis tape, um, there's a couple of things. Like he has a gun. Like there's no doubt, right? There's no doubt. Like this dude's arm is strong. I saw a a, a throw he did against Florida, where he uh, j- he threw like a sixty yard bomb. And when this guy throws, like he's so tight in his throwing motion. That it just it looked like just a flick, right? Like bam, barely any motion. He didn't, you know, dig down deep and and get deep into the to throw it sixty yards. He just it looked like a ten yard out, and it went sixty yards, right? So to me, like he has, and I'm not saying that he's this dude, right? I'm not saying this dude, but as far as arm power, he has Josh Allen arm power, right? <clears throat> like that's a big comparison. Yeah, he he's got they don't. But the, one of my favorite Josh Allen's uh, stories was that he knelt at the 50-yard line and threw the ball and hit the crossbar, right? So a 60-yard throw from your knee 
right. to hit something that's what about like, I mean, it's round, but it's essentially about like four or five inches wide. Yeah. So, you know, that that's a big comparison when you're talking about someone like Josh Allen. And there is, so going back, Will Levis, like he, there's, there were some people like thought he was going to go the first, like I saw throws when I re-looked at it. I saw throws that like, okay, that's why they think he's going to be a number one pick, right? That's why. Like his, he, he can thread a needle. He can get it. He can be on one hash mark and throw an out on the other side of the field uh, on a dime. Right. He has that. It's also like, again, I'm not comparing him. I don't think he's going to be this guy, but uh, very Aaron Rodgers like and like it's just fluid in his motion. Like he's 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 all this. And but the problem is um, accuracy. And I don't know if it's going to be able to be coached out because the way that he throws the ball. It's like I already said, like tight and confirm. And so in his throwing motion, you usually like to see uh, the quarterback's angle um, a little bit more than 90 degrees. And his throwing angle is less than 90 degrees, right? It's so compact and tight, which is good as far as elbow. What's that? It looks like he drops his elbow when he throws. Yeah, so he's really tight. And so it's good for like... Edges coming up in his blank side and like hitting the ball out of there, like he's not gonna have the ball out here, right? For it to be yeah. stripped like that. But when you throw it like that, like um, you don't have that angle to where you can have a little bit more finesse with the ball. So anything underneath is gonna is a little bit, you know, it's a little bit off. Like he is gonna struggle, and you'll see this probably. Like he's gonna struggle throwing screens, right? He's gonna uh, struggle throwing like. A quick little out or a little bit uh, when a uh, mesh concept in the middle, uh, he's going to struggle with those throws. Everything that I saw when I said was great, like, bam, that's a great throw, was everything like 20 yards and and, and more, right? Just showing off that power in his yeah. arm. Yeah. And I don't think they can fix his mo- at this point, at this age, like, he's had that throw motion his whole life. I don't think that's something that you're going to be able to change, so... Um, I don't know. It's like I don't. I don't mind it as a second round pick, right? Um, and for what we really gave up, we we lost. We we gained a spot in the second round. We we went back in the third. We're going back again in the fourth, a little bit, and then we gave up a whole third round pick for next year. Um, so I mean, that's all right. It's whatever. Um, here's the thing: like, if. His thing is all power. We don't have the receivers uh, that go down. Exactly. And and what I was thinking about, like, when you're talking about accuracy, we don't have sharp enough receivers to make adjustments and make tough catches. Also, we need somebody who can lay it out there if we're going to start using Derrick Henry consistently in the screen game, which has worked really successfully um, in the few, in the small sample size that we saw last year, um, we saw how the, the line gets out there and is able to block yeah. for him. But well, also where listen, just dump, the, easy, he can get busy down the field. The, the Titans also picked up Tajay Spears, um, another running back. Um, he, and he's going to be explosive, right? This dude, um, he he had a coming out power. Tulane played USC in the Cotton Bowl, um, and again, like I said, uh, when when I watch film, 
I don't have all the time in the world, so I always look at the schedule and say who are the top uh, top people that, that you played in that game or who, who is the top hardest team on your schedule. And then I look at, you know, what was the biggest stats of, of the season and, I look, or, and what was the worst stats of the season. His biggest stats were against the toughest team. He played USC in the Cotton Bowl, and he went for 200 yards, right? Um, and he just, well, he's small. He's like... I can't wait to see the comparison picture of him next to from Derrick Henry, right? Because he's like yeah. five nine, two hundred pounds, barely two hundred pounds. Uh, but he is explosive; like he can change directions real quick. He can catch the ball. Um, he's gonna make I a to, lot. I got to see. Yeah, he's gonna make a lot of guys miss. I yeah, think is what you're. Yeah, right? like I, I got to see some film on him, and it looks like he's one of those like sneaky. Like I'm gonna hide right behind these linemen on this screen. And right when you like lock up, I'm gonna just slip in under and like right. just disappear on you, and and that's really dangerous. And I, I think a, a great change of pace for what they need when Derrick Henry's off the field. I you know obviously always worry about small guys, but you know we've seen it work with other backup running backs because they're not getting all the touches and getting hit on a consistent basis. But I am you know I am kind of like. What are we going to do when it comes to receivers? And also makes me think about with this Will Levis pick, like, does this mean that they're planning on basically being like, this is the last hurrah for Ryan Tannehill, and then they're going to figure out if one of these two guys is a starter or if they're going to trade one of them because ultimately the window, all this centers around Derrick Henry, and the window for Derrick Henry is shrinking incredibly fast right and so what do we do in order to make sure that we have some sort of future yeah this team is going to look completely different after next season uh right like you said ryan Tannehill is contract is up derrick henry's contract is up um i feel like derrick henry should be a time for life and he should you know leave when he wants to leave but you're gonna have to pay that man too so uh I don't know. Real it's, quick before we go to NBA playoffs, what were some? I'm gonna start with Bijan Robinson, but what are some key draftees that you were keeping your eye on and really interested about where they landed? And we know that Bijan Robinson was. You you talked about him in the last episode that he's a generational talent. That he's somebody who's gonna immediately change a team. He is that special of a guy. What do you think about him landing with the Atlanta Falcons at the number eight pick? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it it makes sense, bro. They're, they're um, other than like, uh, um, I I had them going Tyree Wilson, uh, but, so they they need some help on defense, especially rushing the passer. But when you look at the skill set at Atlanta, like it just makes sense now. Like they have, it's all on it's all on Ritter now. Like it's total opposite of what we're talking about. Uh, the the Titans doing like everything they went they filled up everything around the quarterback position and then hey Ritter let's see if you can do it if not we're gonna we're gonna change you out real quick because he ain't got no excuse right you've got uh they just picked up John o. Smith right uh they have uh one of the like most elite uh talented tight ends in uh what's his name Pitts in Pitts Kyle right? Pitts Who's really like a wide receiver. Right, right. And so they have a, a, a wide receiver out of Ohio State. I forget his name again. Um, what was his name? Do you remember? I know they got Drake London. Drake London, yeah. USC. USC. I don't know why I get him. Yeah, Drake London is nice. 
Um, so they, they're set up. Um, what I was interested in, I think one of the steals of the draft was the New England Patriots getting Christian Gonzalez. Um, I was about to ask you about him. Yeah. yeah. And that, you, you had the Patriots as one of the teams that would definitely would take him. If you yeah, know. yeah. I had I had Patriots taking him at 14. They were actually able to uh, fall back, trade back to 17 and then pick him up. And for him to still be there, that's crazy to me that they got out of there. Um, the Seahawks draft, bro, they like they knocked it out of the park. Besides not going after Jalen Carter, which I think would have been, uh, you know, the thing to do. Uh, they went, yeah, you have, yeah, they got Devin Witherspoon at at five, and then they got the number one wide receiver in uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like they're they're set up. Yeah. They nailed it. And I, I think, honestly, what they did at five totally messed up the Lions. Right? They just, the Lions to me were the absolutely, like, what the fuck were you doing? Right? Because, look, they traded out. They they traded out. They had the sixth pick. Right? I, I honestly, they, they wanted Devin Witherspoon. That is who they wanted. Um, and then the Seahawks take them out of nowhere. Like, nobody really had the mock to, to go there. Um, so they take uh, – the Seahawks take Devin Witherspoon. The Detroit Lions trade back. Um, and then they go after uh, Jameer Gibbs. Like, Jameer Gibbs was a second-round talent. Right? And for them to get – I think they traded back to the 12th spot. Um, yeah, they did. They were at 12. Yeah, they were at 12. And to get Jameer Gibbs, the second running back in the league, you were at six. If you wanted a running back, Bijan exactly. Robinson was right there. Exactly. Right? Yep. And I think they just panicked, and I think that goes to, like, you not having, like, a game plan. They just automatically thought Devin Witherspoon was going to be there, and they didn't really have a game plan of what would happen if Devin Witherspoon was not there. And so they panicked and didn't know what to do. Primo, I got a question for you. Yes. This is my question all the time for the draft, right? Unless it happens the night before or at the draft, you know for months that you're the number one team to pick. How do teams not pick number one immediately? Like, how do they let the clock run? Is that just like a courtesy? (laughs) Because it's like, to me, I'm like, how do you not know who you're picking? And they have to know, right? But, like, yeah. what is going on? Like, are they calling to be like, this guy's still alive, right? Like, he's at home somewhere. <laughs> like, he's not, right? That's the only thing that I can think of. Right. Like, how do you let five minutes run off the clock unless you're doing this as, like, a courtesy that, like, everybody else is like, or the league is telling you, let at least five minutes run off to help everybody else? Yeah. How I do think, you not know to pick immediately? I think there's a lot of gazemanship going on. I think there's a lot of uh like are you sure you don't want to trade up for this pick? Like of filling out the last do minute. Do you think that they're still like so they're still on the phone with teams being like, You don't want to give me your whole squad for yeah, this number one yeah, pick? Exactly. Okay, I think I got gotcha. you. I can see I can see that. All right. I think they're doing that a whole bunch. Um Okay. My bad. I mean it's no, you no, no, you're good. So they to picked, me, that was like the thing. They picked Jameer Gibbs at, at 12, and then they picked Jack Campbell at 18. And then they even um, – who did they get in the third round? Who I was like uh, – they picked up a tight end. Uh, all three of these picks, their first three picks, 
were uh they like jumped the gun so much like i i always when i grade uh the nfl draft i always figure like it, it always goes to me of like where you could have got this person right and so uh you could have got jameer gibbs towards the end of the first round uh, maybe with your 18 pick, right? You had the 18 mm-hmm. pick. That's where, yep. like, if you wanted Jameer Gibbs, that's where you could have got Jameer Gibbs. Um, and then you get Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell, to me, is not even the the top inside linebacker. Um, and he's definitely, like, a second-round dude. Like, towards the end of the second round is where I really thought Jack Campbell would go. Um, he's really good. Jack Campbell is really good, like inside the tackle, like tough. He's just your he's your prototypical inside linebacker as far as like anything between the guard and the center. He can be there and he can be disruptive. He's not he's slow. He is slower than like I think he ran like a four seven, a four six seven, um, forty. So anything going to the outside, he's not gonna be part of. You're gonna have to take him out, uh when it's passing down. So like, he's just too slow. He can't guard nobody. And for you to jump up and, and get Jack Campbell right there, like, you just – it was horrible. Also, the Jets. The Jets became the Jets again. Last year, to me, they won the draft. And then this year, to get Will McDonald at, at what is it, 13? No, 15. 15, yeah. Yeah, to get Will McDonald at 15 when he is most likely another – like, he's a second-round pick. Um, if anything, like Will McDonald would have gone, you know, 30th or 31. Like you had Nolan Smith. We talked about Nolan Smith earlier. Like if you wanted an edge, uh, you could have gotten Nolan Smith as opposed to Will McDonald. Uh, yeah. So exactly. they, those are two of them that, that are crazy to me. Um, but who knows? Like I, I love this process to each his own. Good luck, everybody. Uh, but uh it is still going on. I can't wait to see what other, like, is DeAndre Hopkins going to get traded today? Um, there's still some more uh, trades that I think they're going to that are going to come in. Uh, kind of like just what, what just happened while we're on this show with uh, DeAndre Swift. Now, Primo, it's time to talk. It's time to talk NBA playoff. We have not talked about this in a while. Um, just because no, we. we- Talked about the whole first round. Yeah. And we're yeah. getting into the second round. Yeah, absolutely. So we're in NBA playoffs wrapping up the first round. There is a game seven going on tomorrow. The Sacramento Kings versus the Warriors. That series has been crazy to me. Awesome. Um, this is not where the Warriors want to be. No, absolutely not. On the road against the Kings. They're horrible on the road. Uh, they. They should. They just gave them a confidence back. Exactly. exactly. They, they had them. They had them. That was where to get them in Golden State Game Six. And being and being like a vet team, uh, like you would think that they would have been ready and knew what they were going up against uh, last night, and they did not pull it together. But you know who did pull it together last night was the L.A. Lakers. The L.A. Lakers put a thumping down on Memphis, wrapped up that series. Beating uh, the Memphis Grizzlies by forty. Yeah, I think seeing the score was just like, ugh. Was it's that like the forty that Dylan Brooks was talking about? I know he said <laughs> like he doesn't respect until he gets forty on them, and then they just. 
I think that's the, that's the 40 he was talking about. Maybe he gets some respect. What a way for your words to come back and bite you in the ass. I, you know, one thing about this Laker team that I keep forgetting and obviously made it clear last night is going to be the significance of D'Angelo Russell and the ways in which he can produce points for that team when you're not thinking about a LeBron, when you're not thinking about Anthony Davis, or they get into some rough patches that this guy, like I forget how much he can create shots for himself and get it going and and be a scorer for them when they need it. Um, The Lakers are just like, have such a new life. It's crazy to me. And what's crazy to me is that like, this could have easily been, a LeBron Curry situation again in the second round of the Western conference playoffs. And I'm not so sure about that. Like they might be traveling to Sacramento by Tuesday for the Lakers in Sacramento. And I'll be real with you about this. I think that the Lakers will actually have an easier time with Sacramento than they would have with the, with the Warriors. But now you have the Lakers like in a position to be able to like, you know, to almost make it to the Western Conference Finals because I really don't know who's going to guard Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis right now is playing probably the best, most consistent ball that we've seen him play all year. Um, He's Mr. Glass, but he's still there. And then my favorite player of this year, Austin Reeves. Don't forget about him. (laughs) Austin Reeves. So who's to you, who has been well, I know you mentioned this earlier. What what did you think about that uh Milwaukee Miami series? Yo, that was that came out of nowhere, bro. That that came out of like I didn't not only of the Heat just winning it, but for them to be dominant in that. They were just dominant. Or one. Yo, and playoff Jimmy is a real thing, bro. Like playoff Jimmy. Yo, is that dude player in the playoffs right now? Absolutely, bro. Like he is incredible. Like that dude took that Heat team, put it on his back, and it, and it just take me back to the, uh, the Heat being in the in the finals in the bubble, and you saw him like it, like he just didn't have enough in the finals, and you could just like there was this one moment where he's just like over the side, just like grasping for air and you can just like he did everything and that's what he's he's doing that that play that he uh that made uh to go into the overtime yeah uh yeah that yeah, play yeah, yeah. that play was supposed to be called supposed to call that play for somebody else and jimmy was like no i got this like i got you coach that last that last game that they had where uh, Milwaukee is up at what six in the last like forty yeah. seconds, and for them to blow that like it's crazy. I think Budenholzer is gone, right? Yeah, you think so? He's got to go. Like he didn't make no adjustments. <laughs> but I just found out that uh, his brother died in a car crash during like between game four and five. I think I just saw that Man. this morning. Yeah, so it's just like his head obviously wasn't in it. But he and then uh, Giannis said himself like that. He kind of like in the nicest way possible, the way that Giannis did. Like he kind of critiqued the the coaching staff and not making any adjustments, not making yeah. you know doing anything, any coaching wise thing. 
Um, and then you got the Knicks over over the Cavaliers. Like Jalen Brunson is also that dude. Yeah, he is. Right. Uh, New York is alive. Oh, right I now. bet. I bet. Yeah. Knicks fans have come out like cockroaches. <laughs> they are they're, they're screaming and yelling as if this has been going on for years. But you know, a big shout out to the Knicks. Their first uh, playoff series victory in ten years. Yeah. For the, which I didn't realize it had been that long. But this Knicks team, though, they got heart. And and that's actually that's the perfect word. The guy that has been kind of like a major shift in a lot of the, the team's chemistry has been Josh Hart. They traded for him in the middle of the season. And I remember having talks with fans and being like, yo, that's a big move. And people not really knowing who he was yeah. and being like, oh, that's a bigger move than you think. Like, that guy can ball. He's put in the right situation. He's going to step up. And he does a lot of the intangibles. He's like a perfect – I didn't realize he was that much of a, like, dog. But he's a perfect Thibodeau guy. And um, and what I'm really going to love is watching Thibodeau coach against Jimmy Butler. Yeah. And, like, how does he defend Jimmy Butler in that relationship? Because Jimmy Butler is an all-time Thibodeau guy. Well, Josh Hart, not only that, but, like, just the locker room that Josh Hart brought, like, him and uh, Jalen Brunson being best friends um, – and so you, oh, I didn't you, even know that. Yeah, they were best friends. They went to college together. Um, mm. They're roommates, college roommates. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, why that? And so, so they they were best friends, and so they like that that tandem, that duo is is crazy. When you look at these uh, Eastern Conference uh, semifinals going on, like it, it almost felt like we're in a time machine, and we're back in like the nineties, where you got the Heat versus the Knicks. That uh, rivalry yeah. was crazy back then like there was so much fights and so much I just picture van gundy holding on to alonzo's ankle for dear <laughs> oh, life that, that whole clip i just feel so bad for van because he's such a good dude <laughs> and the way he gets dragged around he looks like a child yeah like yeah pull up him and had no effect on that whatsoever and the and then on the other end you got 76ers and celtics like 76ers just put a thump in on the nets um, didn't really have to waste any energy, which is good though, because then B is is hurt. Yep, and, and that's so, so that rest was good. needed. And but I do think it's going to take effect, right? Oh, um, absolutely. If, if Boston does not win, like if MB does not play Game One, and Boston does not win that game, yeah, I don't know that they win that series, especially yeah. if MB comes back for Game Two, because you cannot lose to that Philly team when they don't have MB. That team is not the same. And don't tell me that James Harden, your favorite post postseason player of all time, is going to hold together that Sixers team. He is not. No, that not. Boston needs to come out and give a thumping to them. And and honestly, I think in a lot of ways, psychologically, if they really like give a beating to this Sixers team and force him B to come back earlier than what he needs to. They could thump him down and destroy the psyche of that team. I think if, if Philly goes down 0-2, it's over in five or less. Yeah. Because they, I don't think, have the the mental strength. And you also know what happens to Doc Rivers in these situations. And I'm not for the people defending Doc Rivers. Like, Doc Rivers <laughs> has proven that he has not figured out the ways to adjust and get his team motivated to come back from things. Yeah, so... Um, out of the East, who do you got? So I've to me, I think I I've got the Knicks outlasting playoff Jimmy. 
maybe six, maybe seven games, mm-hmm. right? I can yeah. see the Knicks. Oh, yeah. Only because I, I can't see how anyone, anyone can sustain the type of play that Jimmy Butler has put in in that first-round series. Like, he willed that team. I don't know how one man can do that for, like, multiple, multiple series. Because we're talking about 40-plus point performances. Right. The guy had 56 in that one <laughs> In that game, I couldn't. I mean, I was shocked. And then like, he came back with forty, right? <laughs> yeah, the then he came out and had like forty-two, I think. Yeah, or forty-seven, something like yeah. that. I mean, the guy has been all world, so impressive. But he's also one of those guys that like he fits the the model of what I would want on a as like like for a player on my team, like a kind of Ginobili type guy, where it's like you know that he's giving you everything on every single play. Yeah, he's uh-huh. all heart. He's getting like there's no question. You will never have to question his heart, his exactly. work ethic, and mm-hmm. his want. And right? Like yep. he he wants it. The, the last series, which I think is gonna be the most entertaining from like a like a shooter, baller, score perspective, the Phoenix Suns and Denver Nuggets tonight. Ooh, yeah. I can't wait to That's watch that. that high it's, scoring. It's be, yeah, high scoring. Shot making after shot making, multiple guys on fire. Jokic and Aiton, I think, is going to be is an underrated matchup because I think Aiton's not going to know what to do with him, and I think we're going to see amazing thing from Jokic. But we're also going to see, I think, like ultimate weak man trash talking. I'm gonna say that one more time: ultimate <laughs> weak man trash talking <laughs> from the two. Uh, well, from the the flurry of guards on both of those teams that I particularly don't really like. You know that I already don't like CP3. Can't ah, stand it. Yeah. Gets on my nerves. All-time hate team. Boo. Devin Booker. The primo is, himself. Well, I just found I, out he's I a I want to root for him, but he's soft. That man is soft. And then one guy that I really like, I really like his game, but like annoys the hell out of me is Jamal Murray on the other side yeah. of Denver. All of these guys are just like, boo. And then, of course, not a guard, but I don't like Kevin Durant either. Like they, all these guys, the only guy that I really like on these teams is Jokic, and I can't wait to <laughs> see it, how you these like guys anybody in this series. Yeah, I hate everyone in this series, and yet I want to watch every single moment of it because I think it's going to be really like high caliber shooting basketball. Yeah, that's so I'm excited. If you lo- if you like offensive basketball, like this is a series for you to get into, man. Because yep. there's going to be so like great forty. Yeah. They're gonna be great offensive football shooting, taking it to the rim, passing the ball around. Like this is an offensive uh player's dream matchup right here. Um so based on what you've seen so far, what is your finals matchup at this point? Going I, the final of every I'm gonna go that Nuggets Sun series is crazy to me. Like I don't I don't yep. know. Um, that one's going to be tough, but I think it's going to be. I'm going to go Celtics Nuggets in the finals and the Celtics winning this year. Ah. This year. That's what I've got. But interesting. One quick, I think the other way, I have Denver and Boston as well, uh-huh. but I think finally it's Denver. Denver's not. They get, if they get to the finals, I think Denver's beating whoever comes out of the East. Okay, okay. But the only thing in their way really is the West. Like I could see them, I could see them just getting outshot by Phoenix, uh-huh. or see them getting to the next round and like just falling apart to like the 
elite, like, God-level balling of a Steph Curry or LeBron James. I think we're going to see something really special. I also want to say this. As a LeBron fan, people need to watch every single game that the Lakers play because I do think that we are in the twilight of the LeBron James yeah, era. Enjoy it while you have it. Yeah, exactly. Watch everything Stop that you Stop being can. a hater. Yeah, exactly. Because you're going to regret it when he's not playing. All right. It's kind of, honestly, yep. like, kind of what I, what I regret not enjoying Michael Jordan when I had Michael Jordan because I was too worried about being a hater, right? And I was like, F that dude, and I didn't get to enjoy it as, as much. But stop being a hater. One thing I want to talk before we wrap this up about uh, the NBA playoffs is, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to love every bit of this, okay? I'm going to tell you right now. The most, we we talked about playoff Jimmy, right? And he is just so reliable in the playoffs. He is that dude. The most unreliable superstar in the history of the NBA, Kawhi Leonard. Bye. Hey, 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 I know Stephen A. got got a lot of heat this week for telling, uh, saying that the Clippers should force Kawhi to uh, to retire. Uh, he tore his meniscus at some point uh, during his first round. Like he is the most unreliable dude. Like he, I don't know. Like, bye, bye, Kawhi. I'll say this: when the highly unusual moment of him leaving the Spurs in the fashion that he did that did not make sense for him or San Antonio in either one of their character or personas. Yeah. That split to me, my, my uh, initial prediction back then was he's damaged goods. He, he knows it. His agent knows it. His uncle know it. And they're just like, get as much money as you can right now before it all falls apart. And I think that this is what we're seeing is happening. I think that they realize that his body is not built for the NBA, right? Which would make sense that he would be so dominant on the boards in college. And when he came out, because remember that when he came out was the lockout season. Yeah. And they brought him along slowly. They didn't give him heavy minutes. And so he, you know, it wasn't until he got that championship with the Spurs in 14 where he was playing really heavier minutes. And even then they were so loaded that he didn't have to play like more than 30 minutes a game. Yeah. I think what we're seeing is just a body that cannot take the toll of a season. And unfortunately that, I mean, I not feel only, bad for him. I would say not only I, body, I like the one, again, I go back to Jimmy, like the one that we talked about, like he doesn't have that one. Like I don't, he doesn't. And at this point, you don't think heart? No, he doesn't have heart. Like he's not, he's not that dude. He doesn't. He's. He, I love the way you said it because you said it not as an analyst. You said it with hate in your heart. Yes. Yeah. He's hey, not hey, that hey. dude, right? He doesn't want it more than anybody else on the court. He doesn't. He's talented, and that's why I say superstar right when i say unreliable he's the most unreliable he is a superstar he proved it in in the two games that, that he did play in the series where he's out there and like nobody can touch him yeah right nobody can touch him in that series and but but this might just be because he's frail he is frail. 
mentally, but also like another thing. That we, again, <laughs> but like a, a, what, another thing that I didn't realize that he was going through, and nobody realized like his his sister just got uh, life in prison for killing a ninety three year old woman. Did you hear about that story? Yeah, his sister beat up a ninety three year old woman in 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 uh in the bathroom of some place and she during this series she got uh life in prison. Jesus man. And so like he's obviously going through some stuff and like it's but like he <laughs> Wait, hold on. What? So you were holding that piece of information and started by just flat out hating on the man. Yeah, absolutely. And then by the way, this also came out. This is a very different tone with which you presented the car accident for the. <laughs> I want that to be because clear before, like he, this is this <laughs> is him. Who did Holzer never broke my heart? <laughs> but this is him. This is Kawhi Leonard. That is who he is. That is who he is. Right. He's most, uh, like he could be and should have been what KD is and what LeBron is. Right. He should have been. Let me alongside with him and which is just like a more so clippers curse pg paul george is also as unreliable as yeah. Kawhi Leonard, right that team is just like made and then let me also say this i want to give a big <laughs> shout out to one guy who also never have to doubt effort who i've always loved his like style of play mm-hmm. i don't particularly like the guy but like, as far as like, does that? Do I think that guy's always trying his hardest? Absolutely. Shout out to Russell Westbrook for the shit that he went through this year to be on the Lakers, yes. to go to the Clippers, and then to be the guy to have to like hold it together and give them a shot at all because he's got Kawhi who's falling apart every single day, right. and Paul George who's like absentee on a regular bit. Like poor Russell Westbrook, man. Like, and I didn't think I would ever say that out loud, but damn. <laughs> That brother's gone through so much and yet is there every single night busting his ass. Even if he goes three for 19, which he did in the playoffs, he did <laughs> he still, do everything that he possibly could. Yeah, he went three for 19 and he was still the player of the game. Exactly. Right. Thank you. He was still the player of the game. He did way pretty well. That is our show for today. We're going to have to wrap this show up. Uh, we talked uh, basketball. We talked football. We talked a little bit of boxing. Uh, we will hopefully be back with you again next week. We are the Puro Pinche Primos. We are 